I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to a very, very special edition of the Trek Culture Podcast. We, of course, are your hosts, Sean and Ellie. But you're not here for us. You're here for Aaron. And we're going to celebrate the fact that it's Star Trek Prodigy Day, October 28th. Happy, well, happy birthday, Prodigy. And happy birthday, Aaron. <laughs> Even if it's not actually your birthday, I'm going to call it <laughs> your birthday. My birthday was a couple of months ago. But yes, happy birthday, Star Trek Prodigy. You know, I... Uh, when when the fans started uh, saying like, "Hey, let's get together and have a little day for Prodigy," I was like, "I'm for it." So it shall. So it is written. So it shall be done. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely perfect. I I I, I want to uh, put a spotlight on Ellie for a second because there is Ooh. not one day in the last however long that she hasn't um, mentioned October twenty eighth. She's been talking about Star Trek Prodigy. She has been keeping the flame. I mean, if, if 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 we blink, she's come up with three new ideas for lists and videos and everything. So, um, yeah. So there's the 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 English um the what the beacons. There you go. That that's that that's Ellie. Yeah, you're just dropping subspace beacons every so often to, to keep the 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 flames of Gondor lit. <laughs> mm, which reminds me, Aaron, that check still hasn't come through. So uh, I'll wait for that. <laughs> oh yeah. It did. Oh yeah, Aaron, we're, we're paying you we're paying you an exposure, Ellie. Don't you understand? Oh, <laughs> oh, uh, oh yeah, that <laughs> thing. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. Well, you know, kind of like um, uh, no, I was trying to use that as a segue. Sorry, I've let I've let everybody down. I I, I couldn't think of a segue good enough. So, um, speaking of Netflix, uh, <laughs> um, Aaron. I mean, I, I hope you never get blue in the face hearing congratulations. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I speak for everybody on the crew is that it, when I say that we're extraordinarily excited uh, for the show to be on Netflix, you know, for many reasons, it's a, a wonderful home for our series. Um, you know, they have a, a gigantic global audience, especially for young adult animation like our show. Um, and you know, I, I cannot wait for everybody, uh, to see our series, especially people who haven't had a chance to see it yet. 
um, who for one reason or another didn't have access to Paramount Plus or have been putting it off. And this is their chance, you know. Um, uh, the Hagemans and I have worked with Netflix before and uh, they are wonderful partners in creativity. And uh, I, I sincerely uh, hope that everyone else that gets to see, see the show are excited about it as we are, because, you know, the, this sort of thing does not happen very often. I think that bears repeating uh, that uh, the fact that that we did get uh, a new home is some, as much a testament to the fans as any anybody else. Um, <laughs> that uh, it really is an indicator, I think, of how how special this show and especially the fandom is. So thank you. <laughs> we weren't quiet. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, like this is, you know, like therapy was considered at one point or another for how much we were going on about. So I, I think in fairness, uh, God bless people like you, like my mother, who is just like, Sean, what is a prodigy? You know, like, you know, what, you know, kind of what, why is this so? She, she understands Star Trek and everything. She's delighted. So she's happy. I think she, I think she's happy that we're going to stop going on about save Star Trek prodigy now at this point. Um, I did that when I saw the news that Netflix had had come to the rescue. I mean, you know, I immediately was like, Sean, oh my God, this is amazing. I come running down the stairs. I was like, mom, 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 guess what? Guess what? She's like, what? I'm like, Prodigy's been saved. She was like, that's nice. <laughs> well, like, that, now I think that, that the next uh, thing to keep an eye out for, I think, is like, you know, once we have the official release dates for when the, the season one and two drop, then we got to we got to rev up those engines and let everybody know the good news. So so take take a breather, you know, drink some Gatorade and then prepare for round two. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, we will. We will be on that. Oh, oh we will. Um I there, so as is always the case, probably going to ask a whole bunch of questions. Of course, talk about what you can, ignore what you can't. That's absolutely fine. But Aaron, are me and Ellie going to die? Is all of season two dropping at the same time? Because um, I know <laughs> um, Netflix has a history of that. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know for sure just yet. You know, like kind of that's sort of a stay tuned question that that really is kind of up to how how the network wants to distribute but what i can say is you know we we are in an age of of streaming and you know especially young people i think you know they they kind of consume media a little bit different than us older folk so um you know i in whatever form it chooses to drop i i, I can assure you that it it will is doing so to give us the best possible shot at uh, at people watching our show and enjoying it so um you know just uh just we'll, we'll find out together and and uh either way the show i think works great uh, as a week to week but it also works great as a binge you know i i think i've said uh we've all said elsewhere that season two has sort of aspirations of deep space nine where you know you still have those stories of the week but there is a grander sort of arc that kind of carries you through these sort of like little mini stories that you just want to watch the next episode. So, so, um, so th there are, there are some two parters in there. So maybe that'll help lessen the load a little bit. You can watch the two parters and rate them together as one 44 minute episode. And then another one later in the week. I don't know. We'll see. It'll be fine. It'll be grand. You know, it's easy turn around somewhere. Chris is pulling his beard out, but it's fine because I think about it. It's the best complaint ever. Oh, look, there's a lot of Star Trek. Amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, but can we draft you to do a couple of the ups and downs episodes? It would make life easier. <laughs> it might be a little biased. Be impartial. Do you reckon you could do that? 
Yeah. Anytime I watch it up and down for our series, I'm like, even when there's a down, I find myself litigating my head. Well, actually, that that, <laughs> that could be an up if you look at it from a certain perspective. <laughs> you are absolutely right, though. It is a very binge worthy. I mean, I don't care to admit how many episodes I've watched today. It might have been quite a few. <laughs> because, you, you know, if you've got the again? DVD, I'm, I mean, I've got three episodes left, which just goes to show how many I've watched today. I've watched quite a few. It's fair to say. But what is Prodigy Day for if not to sit and watch all of the episodes? 100%. True. I mean, if there's a day yeah. for it, it's now. <laughs> yeah, it is surprising how quickly they go by, you know, because they are, you may get used to the old school Star Trek format of a 44 minute episode with five acts and they spend the first two and a half acts kind of like, dallying with what the episode's really about and then they reveal what it's about whereas ours is just like you you start to watch and then it's just like oh wow i was i was caught up in it and it's, it's almost like a, a in a symphony when there's like a there's like a score and you kind of get lost to the music and then suddenly you know the the, the symphony wraps up with some dramatic ending and you're like oh i i, I want to hear the next part uh, and uh, that's how I always feel like whenever I'm watching a Prodigy episode, I was like, that was great. When's the next one? <laughs> I think that, that will be us. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it will, because obviously we'll do, uh, I think the pair of us delighted to say this arrived in the post. And obviously I know Ellie, you have that one as well. Um, so it is, it's, it's, uh, I'm loving the fact that we can binge it because we have it on disc. I'm also selfishly and lazily, I'm delighted it's going to be on Netflix so that we can binge it there as well. Um, you know, I, I, I will be that person where the, the message comes up, Sean, are you still watching? You know, and then like, you know, <laughs> Sean, are you okay? Um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, but going, going back, so there's probably questions you've been asked so much and questions you probably couldn't answer at the time. How early on in the kind of thing, you know, did it look like it was going to be Netflix? Um, I, I can't really speak to that, but I can say that, you know, uh, even when all of this sort of situation began, I w I felt oddly hopeful because of the, the unique circumstances of a show with that, like Star Trek, which is from such a massive franchise, um, and everything I've already, you know, mentioned of, of, uh, our show already being mostly complete in the second season and, uh, the fan base that has already been created. So uh, it didn't surprise me to hear that there were parties that were interested, but uh, you know, we couldn't really say it was definitely happening until the ink was, you know, dry as they say. So um, when the announcement dropped, that was the, when we, we all know, knew for sure that, you know, it, it was happening. So, and, and we couldn't be happier. That was kind of our number one choice. So. <laughs> I choose to believe it was the plane. The plane's what did it. They watched out the window. They went, "Oh, damn! We should save this show." <laughs> I, I mean, I can, I can't confirm or deny that. But what I can say is, like, it felt like almost like Odin's ravens circling over, <laughs> just like, "Oh, a grand portent of things to come." <laughs> um, uh, there's, there's now a reality where you know it was, you know, it was all done long before that. No one could talk about it, and then the plane goes by, and Netflix is going, "Yeah, we made a good call." So I know, I know we've talked about before as well, like, you know, how did it feel? But because there must have been a moment of, ah, crap, you know, when the initial news came through. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 human. 
And obviously there was some disappointment because I love Star Trek and uh, the people at Paramount Plus are very lovely people. And, and you know, uh, I think having all Star Trek together is is great. Uh, but I, I also we do live in an age of um, uh, of, you know, a, a transition, I guess, in the streaming space. And people are kind of still figuring out what works best for their individual circumstances. So. Um, you know, I, it became, it turned very hopeful where like, I know, I, I know this show, uh, is something special and I know the people that care about it are something special. So I, I had confidence that, uh, that, uh, the story of the protostar would continue. Which is, which is hopeful to hear, especially for everyone who's watched episode 20 of season one. <laughs> sure, it does. There, there are definitely some cliffhangers, I suppose, uh, that uh, things unresolved. Uh, and even though we tried, we tried to have have a lot of the emotional satisfaction of the crew getting back to Starfleet. There, there is that open question of like the, you know, the mission to to save uh, Chakotay and and the what is our young crew going to do now that they are at Starfleet and they have hopes of entering the academy but need still need to kind of get the experience under their belt on a real ship and i think that that's uh, that those are questions that everybody i think is really interested in and it's all and we've only seen little bits and pieces of of that kind of story of like somebody completely outside of the federation going through and entering and on straight straight on to morning through the starfleet system uh i think it, it's a kind of coming of age tale that i'm i'm excited to keep telling i think so i think the 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 closest comparison in, in off the top of my head is nog um nog sure. ds9 obviously seven as well but nog you saw from child to lieutenant and i i I kind of half choose to accept the canon of the what we left behind uh, season eight pilot up to a certain moment. I like the fact he's captain. I understand. I'm going to stop at that. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is uh, with um, with Nog is even then, I think they did a quite quite a good job with his character. But the way they addressed it always, because it was a story focused on Deep Space Nine, is like, well, Nog is going off to the Academy. We'll see him later. Um, and so... And they they had sort of offhanded jokes of just like it just occurred to me when you come back I'll have to be saluting you you know and stuff like that. But it was but you know there were still parts of Nog's journey that I I would have loved to have seen. Uh, and this is a chance to kind of I guess fill in the gaps a little bit while telling our own story because as as we uh, you know said at the end of season one they're not even in the academy yet you know they they're almost in a specialized pilot program as uh you know warrant officers in training it's sort of almost like a i think we even reveal in the uh in the teaser clip from season two it's it's almost like an internship which i think there's been a couple of internships in even tng and but yeah i always wondered about that it's like so they're basically civilians that are that are getting you know some in the field training in order to then go into a specialized field either as a scientist or or to apply for the academy but is it like it's always been a little bit sort of vague in a fun way and it, and it it's a pretty fertile field to grow new stories out of they're on work experience but they're just on work experience in really high stakes situations right <laughs> and and we have those we have those uh even today you know like you have you have the um 
the ROTC is sort of like the, if you're interested in going into the into the military in America, you can join the join these organizations that that by the time you you graduate, I guess, then you you have sort of like a leg up as you enter the the actual military. Not to say that the Federation is 100 percent a military, but obviously Roddenberry was in the Navy and he <laughs> borrowed a lot, shall we say. Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, I, I think it it. it it created a really interesting space for us where they have to kind of prove that they belong there. Uh, but they also, you know, they, they, there are stakes where if they, you know, if, if, if it doesn't go the way they hope, then they, they may not get to stay in Starfleet. We'll see. Spoilers. You can't say that. We've just got them back. And now they're getting kicked out of Starfleet Academy. Well, they haven't, they haven't applied, they haven't applied for Starfleet Academy yet is what I'm saying. Okay. All right. All right. I was like, oh, come on. Have they not gone through enough? I mean, you know, uh, Rock Talk did, I don't know, 27 years or something on the Protostar all by herself <laughs> training. Uh, well, I think there's a reason they got into the program is because they showed great promise as prodigies. Um, <laughs> see what you did there. <laughs> yes. That reminds me of a show I like. Um mm. Was there was there ever because there's obviously you know we as fans tend we love the idea that everyone who makes Star Trek basically stands in a room and they all tell each other each other's plans and they're all talking over each other and it's great crack. So was there ever a moment of like you know the entire team of Starfleet Academy going send them off on the ship we're doing Academy no 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 send them off with Janeway that's yeah I mean interestingly enough you know. Uh, even with our our before academy was moving forward like when in the early stages of planning our season and stuff we we kind of intuitively had our own idea of how we wanted season 2 to go and what our how our characters journey would go and you know even though in other star trek shows in the past they they tend to be of a certain perspective of you know you already have the seasoned veterans on the ship and they're competent and they and they know their their role and their orders and and whatnot uh i think there there are other elements uh, that we've seen tiny little glimpses of on deep space 9 or tos you know of like you know how cadets work and how civilians work and how, how that how that line kind of blurs and and how one can beget the other. We had a story that that we were we we wanted to and were ready to tell that was that was not necessarily the Starfleet Academy traditional story, you know, because not as we know in Star Trek, not every single uh like O'Brien, for instance, was an NCO and then became the chief of operations. You know, there there are many paths to becoming a celebrated member of of uh, Starfleet, and we wanted to explore all of them if we could. It's wonderful. People have asked recently, you know, what what do we hope for, you know, in Star Trek going forward? Um, what I love is you have to do something new. Prodigy is bringing something new to the franchise, which is not to say you know, Discovery or Lower Days isn't, but Rick Picard revisiting the story of the next generation. Uh, Discovery obviously is doing its own thing. Strange New Worlds, going back to the story of Pike. These are entirely new characters. This is an entirely new story. And I can almost, almost understand it being one of the slow burners, not because of a, obviously nothing to do with quality, but because people, well, I know who Picard is, so I'm going to watch the Picard show. Or, you know, I, you know, oh, Discovery had Spock for a while, so I'm going to watch that. And I can kind of understand that one, but without new Star Trek, without new content, the franchise is just going to stagnate. 
one of the reasons I'm so what's 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 going on with 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 this this have this we forgotten about my favorite character who is a very big part of prodigy Sean yeah the the EMH mm, close <laughs> <laughs> um yeah of course sorry yes of course <laughs> thank you um boss yeah you know what I mean uh, <laughs> and yeah you know, I, I mean I think there is there is this uh there is this interesting thing that you face sometimes when you have a franchise that is lo- as long lived uh, as Star Trek, where everybody kind of has their own favorite Star Trek. And sometimes that or the Star Trek that that introduced them to the series or that that solidified it and codified it in their mind of like, oh, that's so great. That's what Star Trek is, that it's sometimes easy to forget that that. Each new iteration was wildly transformative. Like when TNG came out, people were shocked and uh, did not know what to make of it. And now it is a beloved, you know, uh, part of the the linchpin of the franchise. Same with Deep Space Nine when it came out. They're like they're not on a ship, you know, like the half of the cast isn't Starfleet. Um, and, you know, it's long serialized stories like I, I have to watch every episode. <laughs> but then sure enough, uh, it, people uh, go back and watch it now and it's like, oh, I'm so glad they did that, because otherwise we never would have had Quark or Odo or Garrick and who are, I would say, like, equally important to Star Trek. And so I it's it is this really interesting balancing act of when you when you're playing in that sandbox of both honoring what came before, but also having, I guess, the boldness to to uh, kind of toss your your uh, (laughs) coordinate pin at a dartboard and say, how far out can we go and make and expand what Star Trek is? And it's been really fun doing that with this show in particular. Uh, both in a literal and figurative sense. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So as 
this is October the 28th, uh, and it is, of course, Prodigy Day. Um, we have just, either before or after this uh, podcast has dropped, we have just put out our Secrets of the USS Protostar list. Uh, thanks very much to Clive Burrell for writing that and turning it around. What was the process? What Because obviously you have addressed this and probably asked us loads and loads of times, but I've got you now. So what was the process that went into the Protostar? From the beginning, did you know we were going to go kind of vaguely arrowhead shaped, reminiscent of Voyager? You know, what What was the sort of the genesis of it there? Well, I, I was not uh, involved directly aside from just giving the stamp of approval with the actual designs. But what I can say is, you know, Benny Bond uh, had... The by far the largest hand in designing the ship, uh, but uh, he, in the early concepts, I believe, started with John Eaves, you know, legendary Starfleet <laughs> ship designer. Um, and then uh, we also kind of talked a little bit about, about you know, hull shape and that and whatnot. And Rick Sternbach, um, you know, has gone on record several times of saying, you know, we, we, when you're when you come to ships that are the fastest in the fleet, you know you have ships that are like um, uh, the the Prometheus and um, the the original Dauntless. They tend to have more of an arrowhead shape, and he felt like the whole shape itself might have something to do with its ability to pass through, uh, you know, subspace and or the uh, the bre- you know near or breach the warp barriers. And so we 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 just wanted to kind of continue that because that's that's always where we would start anytime we're introducing anything new is like all right what came before and in that sort of evolutionary line what what would feel like it came next where it's hearkening to something uh, new in sort of this new era of the 2380s but feels like it came from what uh, what uh, uh, was implied before. And I, I, what's kind of fun on a show like this one is like in, in many ways, when you're working on a franchise like this, it's as much like almost like forensic anthropology as anything else where you have to kind of look because sometimes you don't have the people who worked on TOS or TNG. They're, they're not around to answer your questions anymore, but you see there was a thinking there. And mm-hmm. between our own internal thinking and also the the fan base is also spent. I feel like that's that's the national pastime of Trekkies is overanalyzing things and creating theories. And so there is a number of occasions where we're like, I'm pretty sure I don't know why I think this, but I think this is how Heisenberg compensators work. And then and then, and then I would, you know, go and sure enough, there'd be a, a Reddit forum from five years ago that had that exact question and everybody else agreeing with me. I was like, well, we can't all be wrong. Right. <laughs> um, so that it was a really fun and interesting process. Um and one thing I do remember is like when we were talking about the, the nacelle shapes and the variable geometry as a sort of nod to Voyager and that technology, kind of how that would evolve. Um, we we did like the idea of it having a landing strut similar to Voyager to be able to do planetary landing as a smaller ship, almost like a cross halfway between a shuttlecraft and a, and a, a proper starship. Um, but also like when the, when the, the nacelles came down, it almost was like a bird with its wings settling down. It was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, that, that was the process. Honestly, that's so interesting to listen to. Do you know, I just to sit here and think I wouldn't have the first clue what I was doing. <laughs> if someone said to me, design a starship, I'd go, um, okay. <laughs> How? Well, <laughs> it's a process. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, nice. Maybe like a pack led, make, make ship go. Okay. And, you know, <laughs> however, it works from there. 
We like that clump. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, obviously, you know, a beautiful design as the Protostar is, it can of course still never top the uh the, the greatest design of them all. The Jaeger. The Jaeger. Oh, I you know, I am a Jaeger apologist. I actually I love um I, I absolutely love uh kit bashes. I think that they are a testament to creativity. It's a very much like almost Apollo 13 where like, all right, we have these parts. We have to make an air filter out of it. And I, I you can almost feel the love of those craftsmen, you know, where they're like, we have three hours and a box full of parts. <laughs> How do we make a cool ship that will you'll see for four seconds? And they they're they occupy a very special place in my heart. Is there any part of the Lamar class that features highlighter pens? <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only. <laughs> Because I I never knew how durable and how multi uh you know how much of a multi tool they were until I started doing some reading on Best of Both Worlds and I was like wow yeah I I had the 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 great luxury and honor to spend an afternoon with Dan Curry um and just got to hang out with him we had lunch together and and uh, um you know he he had the he brought me a book and we just went through the book page by page. And he told me the, the, the stories warts and all of like how, how sometimes there'd be a planet that needed to be made. And they're just like, ah, I'm just going to go take a picture of dirt <laughs> and then cut it out in a circle. And then that became like five different planets and TNG because they just, they needed something that had, that looked real. And he just kind of, you know, you manipulate it in a way that's really, really fascinating. Or he'd go to the, you know, the plumbing store and just buy a bunch of random parts and kind of glue them together in different fashions and glue it to a wall. I tell you what I will say though, obviously with Prodigy being animation, you do then have almost more creative, creative license to be able to create something that you wouldn't be able to do in live action. I mean, as I said, I've watched quite a few episodes today and I keep going, oh, that's so pretty. Oh my God, look how good that is. And I guess it's, is it much different to planning how you would do something in live action or? Yeah, it is this kind of interesting like reverse engineering where there are a number of occasions where we could go hog wild (laughs) and, and, you know, have it look like anything, but we have to, you know, try to look at the design language. And we sometimes we do find ourselves creating a 3D model of that piece of plumbing hardware <laughs> in order to make it feel like a start a Star Trek ship, uh, even though we literally it could be anything. Um, but similarly, you know, uh, as Lord X recently pointed out, and there uh, there's that that caves mentality, right, of like a cave is a cave is a cave. So sometimes when we have to build a whole planet um, or the inside of a board cube or something and we're budgeted to only create one or two sets, so you you get creative and you create a set that can be shot from different angles or you can take or you can take a um you know a, a hallway and turn it sideways or clone it or or angle it in such a way that it feels much bigger than it is and it's almost like um your set can be become 15 different sets if you're if you have enough imagination and that that is i think something that we definitely carry over from the live action shows um and that that uh that's been re- uh, a a fun and certainly interesting challenge i think for our team when you're making something that you love i can imagine it must be quite difficult you must have to really rein yourself in without going too far i mean your episodes i mean are the the most kind of focused on law and 
the history of the show. I mean, were there were there storylines that you would want to make that you go, mm, I've got to rein that in. I can't go down that route. It's too predictable or it's just not possible. I mean, the not possible part is <laughs> the, more, <laughs> the more thing I, I have to deal with. Uh, you know, even you kind of alluded to some episodes like Kobayashi, for instance. I think I've said elsewhere that my first draft of that had something like 15 more people on the bridge because, uh, you know, when we were trying to figure out who are the best Starfleet officers and what would make the best crew, we we th- we in our infinite hubris, we thought we could actually crack it as a writer's room. <laughs> and, but then we looked at, you know, we we were like, well, obviously, Scotty's the best engineer. And then but then they were like, well, actually, Trip Tucker. And then, you know, we and then we would write the names on the on our whiteboard and then suddenly we all blinked and it was four hours later and we were like it was eight o'clock at night and we looked at the wall and we'd effectively written down every single star trek character that had ever been on the show and it looked like a conspiracy theory board like oh oh boy okay flip a coin just flip a coin yeah and so you know it it's uh i i I reacted to that. It was like, well, I'll just stuff it in. But then sure enough, we was like, why are there three engineers on the bridge? Because I like them, man. (laughs) Um, So yeah, there, there is a little bit of that, uh, that uh, uh, balancing that has to happen, but we always try to go from the, you know, like working with Guillermo del Toro, he always had this phrase of like that your ambitions should always exceed the budget. (laughs) Um, And so we always try to write what, you know, you might call the Cadillac version. Like this is if 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 money was not an option, but obviously with certain conceits in mind, this is the ideal version. And if there are things as we kind of budget it out or break it down for production, uh, it's it can't be done or this or that. Then you can sort of like, okay, how can we evoke the spirit of that, but uh, without costing. <laughs> <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars that we don't have. Um, and so th- that was uh, that, th- but that's the way it is with every show, even in live action shows, they, they always go through a production draft where you have a, you have a sit down with your producer and you say, okay, the, uh, can we, instead of 15 sets, can we pare it down to eight? And then you find ways to combine scenes or, or uh, have, reuse a certain set from a different angle. You know, I always think about there's some there's a production story of there's an old show called Dark Angel where they had a sequence, oh, yeah. they they had a sequence in it where um, they were supposed to go through like a prison, and then it came to Dave time for production. They're like, we don't have money for a prison, we just don't. And they're like, well, what, what do you have the money for? And they were like, we have uh, like a kennel, like a dog kennel. And so then they rewrote the scene to be going through a dog kennel, but they very cleverly, not to get too far into dark angel lore, but the character is is a uh, genetic manipulation, uh, a genetically augment effectively, but she had cat DNA. And so they had all the dogs go crazy barking because they smelled her cat DNA and it made the scene better, (laughs) you know, so that that's sort of like creativity in a box, I think, is really fun, even though it's challenging. Um, And that's the stuff we do all the time on our show. You know, aim for, you know, 150 percent over everything because you can always rein it in. You know, you can always it's when, you know, you hear the stories of like we ran out of steam. You know, we got to eighty, and we're like, "What? What are we gonna do?" I just, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, bring back Spock, and then you did, and it was brilliant. No, but I, I actually want to know because, um, several people, 
involved in the production, not naming names, but they all sort of go, if you're saying like, you know, oh, who's the biggest Trekkie? Walky. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of where that you're like, it, there's, there's, there's not even a, a hesitation or something. So, you know, when it, when it came to specifically Kobayashi, then you were thinking of, right, you've decided on who, who the characters are going to be. Did you just do all that unpaid? Did you just go like, right, I'm going to listen to all of this. So I'm really like, you know, pick out the best ones. I'm just going to dive down memory lane. Yeah, I mean, I it, there was a certain pride in craftsmanship, I suppose, in that there were, you know, with that particular project, uh, you know, there there was, as you hinted at, uh, a lot of sort of legacy audio that we decided to use, and then, you know, sometimes there's this this misconception that uh, that that Star Trek shows are like, oh, they clearly have a department for that. It's like. No, it was it was me. <laughs> it's it like, oh, you're a poor assistant. So it's like, I am an assistant. Like, <laughs> uh, and, and no, it was it was um, in that case. I it was sort of a, a pride of craftsmanship sort of thing. I was like, I wanted to make sure I got it right. And uh, and uh, you know, I I think especially when you're trying to find bits of dialogue and kind of um, Frankenstein them together. You, sometimes you'll read something on a page and you're like, oh, that's the perfect line. But then you'll go back and into the actual episode and listen to it. And they'll be like somebody picking up a coffee mug and clinking it, or they're walking away from camera and they're, and it doesn't, doesn't sound right. So then you're like, okay, back to square one. So yeah, in the end, I did wind up having to read about 70 or 80 scripts and rewatch top to bottom and 2x speed at least until i could find the uh the the episode uh the the line in the episode uh about 30 or 40 episodes and it, you know it's not like it was it was hard but it, it, i was there's never a point where i was like why am i doing this it was like i have to do this because i have to get it right um because other people out there i think care about it this as much as i do so that, that's always been my attitude is like I, I don't mind putting in a little bit extra elbow grease if it makes the episode better that I sounds think, like Sean doing citation observations. Uh, <laughs> Go through it frame by frame and just zoom in a little bit and see if I can find any more Easter eggs. Brand, it's fine. And I never miss any. Uh, but, all the time. All the time. <laughs> but um, I think we we did uh, we did a list a while back of um, basically unique episodes. And Kobayashi is on it because because of particularly Uhura and uh, Spock's lines. I mean, we spoke, I think the first time we ever spoke, we spoke about there wasn't the same recording technology then as there is today. It's not like you can just run it through a program and it sounds exactly the same as even the 90s. You had Odo, you know, um, I think some of Scotty's lines came from the movies, so possibly they were a bit cleaner, but still. So now what you've got is that because you can hear the difference, that episode has become a time capsule. It's become a little museum piece. Um, so for one, thank you for putting in the work. But also, I mean, you're right. As the Trekkies out there, we appreciate things like that because we now have a special episode in that respect. Yeah, uh, there was, I think towards the end of working on that episode, I was trying to do... Um, figure out what sort of Spock's final lines would be. Um, and there, it was maybe just because it was late and I'd been <laughs> working on it all day, but, uh, but there was a sort of a, prof a profound um, sort of uh, moment for me as I was kind of putting the, I realized that all, uh, all, the, all of his lines were kind of lining up in order. And there was like one line from every era of Leonard Nimoy's career 
leading all the way up to the end. And it, and you know, his final "Live Long and Prosper." I went. I literally listened to every single time he ever said that. <laughs> which, uh, you know, you would be surprised. It's not as many as you would think. Um, and it wasn't until I I found the last time he said it that it had that sort of that that profa- profundity and that that gravitas that that was sort of like a the, this it it felt like a nice parallel in a way because i i was like oh there's a real chance that this may be the last time that um we hear Leonard Nimoy in Star Trek and i was and so i I took it very seriously, but it, it, you know, for that very reason that you described, that sort of time capsule thing is like, I, you know, if nothing else, I'm glad that people will get a chance to to hear everything that that these people brought to this series, uh, this franchise, because um, it, I think it means a lot to the people hearing it, but also just to have their performances sort of uh, uh, brought back for one last time for new audiences to see. I think I, I took it. Um, very seriously. Isn't that such a testament to how Trekkies feel about Star Trek, though, that four words spoken by a character who cannot express emotion, and yet you can still find one delivery that is packed full of emotion? And that's that's as much a testament to the actors as anything, mm. you know, because I, I think that as numerous people have articulated, Vulcans are actually extremely hard to play. <laughs> I think I think it's easy to think that they're oh they're just like emotionless robots, but they're not. They're not like there's a there's a hints of sarcasm, hints of of genuine empathy, but it's behind this sort of like reserved mask almost. And to be able to do that, I think is that's as hard as playing Lear. <laughs> Actually, it, that that it's so funny. The Lear is such a trigger. We did that for my. Uh... From we studied a Shakespeare play from my finals in, in school. Like oh. I can, I think I can still quote that play. I've seen it more times than I ever thought. It's incredible, but my God, oh, I've read that play so many times. But I agree. Right. Yes, because, playing Lear very difficult because <laughs> every single character. In, now we have to talk about King Lear, but every single character in King Lear, you know, uh, there are so many ways you can interpret them that you can make them outright villains. You can make them sympathetic, tragic characters, but you know, it's, I think that's that kind of, it becomes almost a blank canvas in the nuance. And that's how I always view Vulcans as well is because like there, there are, they contain multitudes. But that's, I mean, I mean, you're sorry, look, look at the Vulcans we have, obviously, I mean, more like the characters like Saval, who first appearance, you're like, oh, he's a, never mind him, don't like him at all. And by the end of it, he's beloved. Do, do I mean, I, I think, sorry, I think I'm kind of answering my own question. I think you said you're not sure yet. Uh, season two, do you know early 2024, mid 2024, late 2024, or just we'll all find out together? Um, You know, I think they're, they are figuring that out so stay tuned you know uh, we, we, as as soon as i know and i'm allowed to share i believe you me we will share it <laughs> the, the other question that you know everyone's going to be asking now that we know it's safe season three <laughs> i mean <laughs> the hagemans uh, have already said and uh, at star trek las vegas and myself in- included you know we we have ideas and and plans for season three uh, so hopefully, hopefully that, that could happen. Uh, you know, we, we'd love to make movies too. Uh, I think it, it, 
I don't think I'm talking out of turn. You know, it, it, if people watch the show, any, the sky is the limit. So. How many more banners do we need? <laughs> well, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I think Twitter uh, needs no, to take okay, notes. Right. There's yeah, no answer five, to that. Five yeah, I was like, you know, kind of, <laughs> five, yeah, five banners. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Like, okay, so five equates to, let's say, well, a million people each, five million viewers. Right, we'll do that. Okay. Um, okay, Ellie, you look after the first half of 2024, the banners for that. I look after the second half, and then we'll get some surprise <laughs> banners in there as well. Um <laughs> But it just, just reminds me now of that scene from Shawshank and eventually you just get a letter from uh, Netflix going, all right, fine, have 10 seasons, stop flying banners. Uh, and, and, and obviously and poor Aaron, you'll be sitting there going, like, kind of like yeah, like, I love this show, but I, I want something else to do in my career as well. Don't commit me to 10 years, you know, don't, or 10 seasons. Uh, no, don't, don't get me wrong. Like I, Star Trek is, it's one of those projects that I do not get tired of. <laughs> Because it's it's so intrinsic to my own personal sensibilities that it's like, you know, sometimes they say, you know, be careful about uh, doing the thing you love for too long because then it'll become a career and you won't like it anymore. That has not happened with Star Trek. If anything, it's just deepened my enjoyment. It's like it doesn't even feel like work sometimes. <laughs> it's just me coming in and, and talking about how the D-Directs work <laughs> and the, they're, they're powered by black holes. Okay. Singularities just deal with it. <laughs> I like it. Like it's, uh, you know, like that Doctor Who sketch, like, how does this work? I'll tell you later. Um, <laughs> right. Um, when I've worked it out. <laughs> I'm not even going to get that far. Um, <laughs> what, um, without the Hagemans coming after us with a rusty spear, what can you tease us about season two? Um, well, I mean, with NDAs, there's not much I can tease, uh, but I do encourage everybody to go and, uh, you know, rewatch when, when it drops on Netflix, be sure to rewatch season one. We do have some clues there in the last, in the last episode where we're going to go for season two. And, uh, if, if you're the type that likes to do that, uh, check out the teaser that we dropped at STLV this year. Uh, it's a, a little four minute clip of season two that reveals, uh, a lot about, uh, you know, kind of the direction that our show is going to take. But even then that is just from the first episode. So, there are some surprising uh, su surprises and turns that you may or may not expect. But, um, you know, I, I think there's a, a healthy combination of new stories to tell while also kind of catching up with l legacy characters and ideas and concepts that you um, maybe were always curious about and then finally get to see it all pulled together into this grand tapestry <laughs> that connects to all the shows, new and old. I know, Ellie, I know there. if there's one thing you're hoping for. Um, so uh, would, you, would you like to address the one thing that you've been hoping for? That Well, to be fair, um, we addressed this the last time we spoke to Aaron. So, you know, it's pretty predictable. Yeah. But I will say <laughs> that, no, it's nice to see that we now obviously know that the EMH is returning as well. And I know a lot of people are really curious as to what happened following Endgame. And yeah. I and I feel like from what you've just said there, it makes me excited to see where we're going to go moving forward and maybe get some answers <laughs> to yeah. those questions. And, and uh, as I've said elsewhere, you know, yes, I think it's it's fair to say that that our show just by virtue of the fact of Kate Mulgrew, you know, playing uh, Admiral Janeway and Hologram <laughs> Janeway uh, is very as much a Voyager sequel as anything else. But I think as the show goes on, you'll see it's actually a, a Star Trek sequel. It's a sequel to all of Star Trek that uh, 
that um you know starts with voyager and then sort of spreads out from there and i i there's not much more i can really say beyond that but i think people will, will be very excited to see where we where we take it and it's similar to season one you know that it starts in a place where you're like okay where's this going and then and then it cracks wide open and everyone who has seen the season season two has said uh boy oh boy by the end does it pay off so okay uh, i hope everybody uh really just dives in and and uh enjoys it for what it is because I, I i think people will be very excited we already are and i'm delighted that we can all say we are now excited you know there's the uncertainty is gone we will get to see season two we are we are extremely extremely excited for that we're delighted for for all of you as well but working behind the scenes because for 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 everything that you have gone through for the, the highs the lows the uncertainties the the, the relief that you know, must have come across as well um I, we're just delighted for because also i mean believe me we have been checking you all seem like nice people you know there's <laughs> this there's no dirt so i guess we're just delighted <laughs> for a bunch of really nice people and it's gone well for you I, I'm I'm glad that our background checks cleared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was yeah. It 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 it, it took a while, but no, no, no. Uh, it's just lovely, you know. Um, and again, because thanks to things like social media, um, you have been very, you know, you, you do interact with fans, which has been wonderful. I mean, we'll remember, uh, you know, in Next Generation DS, not you know, all of this. It's like, what? Hang on. You spoke to someone making the show. Did you stalk them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that that is, it is the interesting kind of um, era that we live in now of, you know, because past Star Trek, the only time you really got to a ask these sorts of questions was if you happen to show up to a convention and then you could go up and uh, and, you know, ask your specific question about episode 29 and to a poor actor who doesn't who doesn't know what you're talking about. Um, uh, but now it. uh it is really fun because it reminds me a little bit of the because even back then, actually, just as the Internet kind of started to come into its own, I think Ron Moore famously, you know, would start going into the the Star Trek. I, I don't think they were even called forums back then, <laughs> but they were essentially like, oh, what are they calling MUDs or something? It was very strange. I'm showing my age now. <laughs> but uh, but but anyway, they were like they were effectively fan forums where people who love Star Trek would gather and he just would pop up and start answering questions. And those became the stuff of legend and, you know, happy where possible to kind of continue that, because I think in many ways, Star Trek more than any other franchise has very been very much been connected to and empowered by the fandom. Um, so I, you know, it's a, it, we're all in this together, <laughs> which is great. So we just, you know, thanks very much. We'll take some of the glory, you know, that's great. <laughs> you know, as you know, we sit here in our offices going like, you know, I'm really glad they made a show now. Let's piggyback off it. No, uh, no, we're just delighted. Ellie, what what what, what do you have left that you, you must uh, get off your chest on uh, this Prodigy Day? Um, I think just to reiterate that it's so nice to be able to talk about it with such positivity without that uncertainty now, as you said. It's so nice that now we can really just celebrate how wonderful the show is rather than having to kind of do that, but with a purpose to show networks how great it is now we can just go see look we told you and we can really have a have a great celebration which is what we've been saying all along 
Yeah. Well, now now people can just now the next goal is to is to tell a friend and have that friend tell a friend and and let people know uh, to check out the show as soon as it drops on on Netflix. Uh, and, you know, hopefully, you know, our 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 little fan base will just keep growing because uh, that's my that, that I made this show for for you guys. So. I, I when I say I, I mean I am part of a huge team of, of artists, and we all feel that way. Uh, like, and I I'm a fan. It was made by fans for fans, uh, and so we 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 genuinely hope that you love it. Speaking for myself, speaking for the team, it's it's fantastic, and can't wait to release every episode of ups and downs absolutely bricking myself knowing that you will be watching um it's a i tell you aaron it's a very strange it's a very strange position to be like you know okay i'm gonna write a review he has my number he's gonna send me so much abuse if i get this wrong and he's right to do it no (laughs) no listen i i always say people are free to like or dislike whatever they want you know, um, that's that's the beauty of Star Trek. If uh, if you like comedy episodes, they're there. If you like action episodes, they're there. If you like cerebral philosophical ruminations, they're there, too. There's there's no right or wrong way to be a Star Trek fan in that way, because, you know, they embrace everybody. It's kind of that's the best way to end the episode. I think you're <laughs> right. I think you just you just kind of nailed it on the head. So, Aaron, thank you so much. Um, My pleasure. And- Look, just you're you're a gent and you always have been. So thank you very much. Happy birthday, prodigy, to you and to everyone on the team. Um is there anything you'd like to shout out to the fandom? Um, you know, just keep an keep an ear out to keep those subspace frequencies tuned uh, for more information on when the 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 series uh is going to drop on Netflix, season one later this year, 2023, season two, 2024. Um, and you know, once they drop, spread the word, have watch parties, make sure that everybody sees it. Cause this is, this is the chance for, uh, for, I, you know, our, the world to finally, uh, check it out. So, um, we're excited. We hope you're excited. Um, and feel free to fi- find the team. We have the writer's room, the at Trek prodigy room, I think is what it's called. Um, which is where on all. Uh, at least on X slash trip Twitter, but you can find also find me at good Aaron um, G O O D A A R O N on all social media. And the Hagemans are also on most social media and we will, we'll keep you updated if you want to know uh, what's going on with prodigy. And yep. Everyone who's been watching, listening along. Thank you very much as well. Um, Ellie, where is the best place to find you on the online place? All the places. I mean, we say this every single time. So if you don't know by now, then what are you doing? But you just search Ellie Littlechild. I say this every time. There's not many Ellie Littlechilds in the world. So Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the places. And as I always do, a little shout out to Who Culture because, you know, we like to cross promote. Of course. <laughs> Of course, yeah. Um, I love so because because your answer is completely succinct and perfect, and also a really terrifying update on how your campaign of there can be only one is going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can review. Now you can review two shows that have the doctor on it, and you know, <laughs> you know, don't have to explain which one's which at any time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very true. We're on X slash Twitter. I think that's the first time I've called it X. Ooh. Uh, Instagram. <laughs> uh, we're on Blue Sky. Uh, I know we haven't posted very much, but that's because I haven't posted very much. So it is there. Um, <laughs> we will 
possibly by the time this is released have a TikTok channel. Um, and obviously we're on YouTube as well, which you're probably watching this on. So thank you very much, everyone. Uh, look after yourselves. And as a wise person once says, live logs. And proper. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusive Apply. See site for details.